Hey, welcome to the Project Church podcast. My name is Caleb Cole. I'm the lead pastor here at Project Church in downtown Sacramento. And we're so glad that you came to hear this word. We believe this is going to encourage you, build you up, and give you life. So get ready to receive a message from God. Come on, can we give God some praise in this place? The God of revival. I want to share with you today a message titled Faithfulness in a Time of Compromise. I want to talk to us about being faithful in a world of compromise. And I want to look at a king. In 2 Chronicles, we see a king named Jehoshaphat. And it says this about him in verse number 3 of chapter 17. The Lord was with Jehoshaphat because he walked in the earlier ways of his father David. He did not seek the Baals, but sought the God of his father and walked in his commandments and not according to the practices of Israel. Therefore, the Lord established the kingdom in his hand and all Judah brought tribute to Jehoshaphat and he had great riches and honor. His heart was courageous in the ways of the Lord. Lord, I pray right now over our church, over your people, God, that in this moment, God, in a world of compromise, when everything would try to get us to compromise, that your people would walk faithful. God, we would walk faith-filled. God, in a time of doubt and fear, we would walk with greater faith than ever before. So Lord, today as we hear from your word, may we be challenged. God, may we leave this place saying, I am choosing faithfulness. I am choosing to follow your ways, to follow those that have gone before me that have followed you, to turn away from the idols and the things of this world. So Lord, we invite you to change us in this place, Jesus. We love you. We praise you. It's in your name we pray. Amen. Amen. Give God another shout of praise right now. You guys can be seated in this spirit attitude of worship. I'm so excited today to be continuing this all new series that Chrissy launched last week. Give it up for Chrissy last week, bringing the word. That's my wife. You guys could have done better than that, but it's all right. Um, we'll let it go today. But, but I, I'm excited for this series that we've entitled The Rising Church. And what we believe is that in this moment in our history, the church that is rising and the church that needs to rise is a church that is radically committed to the word of God. That lives different, that lives counter culture. And so if you're new here, we are so glad you're here. My name is Caleb. Uh, I'm one of the pastors here at Project Church. And it was actually already cool on the way in. I got to hug two people who I have not seen in a year. And, uh, and it was cool to just like hug them, tell them I'm so glad they're here. And so we know as the room begins to fill up more and more, as more people come back, uh, I do want to say what's up to Church Online. Um, we know some people are still watching online. We understand that and we love you, but we miss you. Uh, but as people begin to come back, I'm excited because I anticipate and I'm seeing where this church is going. And I believe that there is a rising church that must happen in this country and I'm talking the church as a whole, but I believe that God and why this series is for our church is because he's calling us to be a rising church. Not only that, but we are a rising church, a church on the rise. We sense it. We see it. Um, God has done so many amazing things in the last few years, and I am just feeling impressed in my heart today to challenge us. And so I was challenged by this word, and I believe you're going to be challenged by this word, because I think we all have the temptation to compromise. Sometimes the compromises are small, sometimes they're big. But as I was thinking about this message, God really gave me this picture of a race. And I don't know if any of you ran track. Do we have any track athletes back in the day? Track stars? Anybody that did track? Raise your hand high. Come on, be proud. Look, look at these athletic people. So here's the thing about 
a race or running. Uh, I grew up, I was a basketball player, played basketball through high school, and then I played four years in college as well. And so running for me was always punishment. I mean, in high school, we ran something that they called suicides, which we would not use that term today. They're not allowed to say that anymore, but I was a child, you know, I grew up in the 90s, so um, in high school in the 90s, y'all are like, what? Yes, I graduated in 1999 from high school. And when you say it like that, it makes you sound even older. Um, The year of our Lord, 1999. But we would run lines, so it was like free throw back, half court back, free throw back, full court back. That was a suicide. And so to this day, I hate running. Like, I refuse to run unless I'm actually playing a sport. Why? Because I have associated it with punishment. Now, some of you in here love running. Where where are those of you that love running? You just, you get those runner's highs. You can raise your hand high. Like, I know I hate it, but you can like it. I'm not saying it's right. I'm saying my brain has been tainted towards running. But God gave me this picture of a race when it comes to faithfulness. Because I think what we don't recognize is that faithfulness is really a marathon. Living faithful to God is a long journey. And we have to begin to shift our perspective, our focus in that way. Because so many of us want to be faithful. But when we stumble and fall, we end up quitting. Or we want to be faithful, but we come out the gate and we don't know how to have a right pace. And that's what I want to talk to you about today. The pace of the race of faithfulness. I want to give you some practical tips to help you to maintain a right pace in the race of faithfulness. But I think that why faithfulness is so important today is because our culture is a culture of compromise. And if you look around, uh, we're living in a time of compromise. I mean, the reason I have such a hard time with politicians today is because they're constantly compromising. They, they float above any firm ground, and they just float to where they need to, to get the votes they need to get. Politicians compromise. How many know, though, pastors can compromise? We see it all the time. Now, none of us are perfect. I stand up here as an imperfect, broken vessel before you, letting you know that I mess up. I compromise at times as a human being, and yet, as a human being, and yet, there are pastors we hear of and see all the time that are having very public fallings from grace. Why? Because of big compromises. We watch sports players, athletes, those that we love and admire that compromise by taking PEDs. Performance enhancing drugs, if you didn't know what that meant. But you see, compromise is tragic, isn't it? It's tragic because it destroys trust and produces cynicism in us. And so we look around this world and and we are living in a very cynical world. And we wonder why, but it's very easy to know why. Because All around us is constant compromise, so we feel like we can't trust anyone or anything. And so we walk through life cynical. Why? Because we want to protect our hearts. We want to protect our minds. But when you're in a culture of compromise, it's very easy to be influenced by the same compromise. And so you look around even at the church today, not just our church, but the church in general, and what do you see? You see compromise. We're a compromised body in terms of the church in America. We've compromised on so many things and then we wonder why our message is not as powerful, why our message does not have the impact, why the world looks at us and laughs at us and mocks us, why they they wonder if we even believe what we believe because we've compromised. Here's what I've seen though that I think the church, and I think you all in this place, you want to live faithful. But most of us are just feeling tired, worn out. We feel like failures. And you want to know why I think that? I think it's because our pace is off. 
because the pace of the race of faithfulness is something that we have not understood in a practical way. I mean, think about Jesus. You know that Jesus only ministered for three years? Three years of ministry, and he accomplished so much. And yet, when you read about Jesus, did he ever run anywhere? Did he ever say he ran? Did he ever say him, the disciples, like, oh, snap, you see what time it is? We got to bounce. Like, <laughs> did that ever happen? No, it said, what did he do? He walked everywhere. Jesus had a pace that most of us, and I think even the disciples, got frustrated with that times. We would get frustrated. We're like, Jesus, can we, can we pick it up? Got places to be, people to heal, ministry to do. Like the pace, come on, let's go. And I think that's what our culture has built into us. This pace of go, 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 get, 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 accomplish, accomplish, accomplish. And that's carried over to our faith. And then we wonder why we have such a hard time being faithful. I believe we need to find God's pace for our lives. I heard someone say this. I don't, I don't know who this quote is from because someone else was quoting it and they didn't know where it was from either. But here's the quote. I thought it was so good. I Googled it. I couldn't find it, okay? If the enemy can't get in front of you and stop you, he will get behind you and push you. And I was like, whoa. That was like really impactful for me because I realized like the enemy in front of me, I see him. Because Christy talked about it last week. That, that he's got nothing new. It's the same old trick. So when we see him come, we're like, ha, you, you can't do anything, devil. You got nothing on me. But I think in this culture, what I haven't recognized and what this quote actually helped me realize, even about myself, is maybe the enemy's behind us, pushing us, trying to speed us up, where we abandon the pace that God has for us. Running the race of faithfulness takes knowing the pace of faithfulness. That's what I want to talk to you about today. So the pace of the race of faithfulness starts with this. Listen, we have to start strong. You know, like the runners, they get in the stance. And my jeans are a little too tight, but you know what I'm saying? Like, they get, they get down there. I don't know if you ever did track. I, I did track when I was younger. Um, in, in like middle school and, and you get in the starter blocks and that start is key. I mean, you know, sprinters, 100-yard dash, 200-yard dash, they spend much of their time just practicing the start because if you're in the 100-yard dash, if you don't start right, you are not going to win. The race is too short. And so I think that we have to recognize today just the importance of starting strong. You know, like when, when babies are born, we want them to be born at a certain weight because birth weight indicates health. Now, it doesn't mean a premature baby can't develop to health, but it does mean there's going to be more challenges for them early on. Starting strong. When, when I'm, we're a part of a church planting network here at Project Church, it's called the CMN, Church Multiplication Network, and we're in a, a group of churches that are about planting churches. I don't know if you know this, but every month we give 1% of our income to CMN to help plant more churches because we believe in church planting. But one thing they say is that the, the weight or, or the, the numbers that a church starts with usually indicate how healthy and strong it's going to be long term. And so when we went to start Project Church, we're like, we're going to launch with as many people as possible. And we did, and we're still here eight years later. I want to read from 2 Chronicles, and I read it to you earlier, 17, 3 through 4. This is a story of King Jehoshaphat, and Jehoshaphat was the king of Judah. So if you didn't know, the, the nation of Israel started out and they wanted a king, so they named Saul. Then David was the second king. Most of you know this story. You know uh, about Saul and then passing it on to David. And, and then a, a little ways down, a couple decades later, the nation of Israel split into two. 
And there were now two nations, Israel and Judah. And now they have kings of both. And so Jehoshaphat becomes the king of Judah. And he becomes the king of Judah about 150 years-ish after David. But he's actually from the line of David. The same family line. And as I read to you, the Lord was with Jehoshaphat. He walked in the earlier ways of his father, David. It says in verse 6, his heart was courageous in the ways of the Lord. And furthermore, he took the high places and the ashram out of Judah. Verse 10, and the fear of the Lord fell upon all the kingdoms of the lands that were around Judah. And they made no war against Jehoshaphat. You see, starting strong is about pace. And Jehoshaphat came out, and he became king at the age of 35 years old. And as he becomes king, as a young man, he, he's the new king, and he says, I'm going to follow the ways of my forefather, David. I'm going to worship God. We're going to tear down some of the high places of idol worship. And he starts the nation of Israel strong. And what does it say? Of Judah strong, it says, the fear of the Lord fell upon all the kingdoms of the lands that were around Judah. And they made no war against Jehoshaphat. You see, he started out strong, and as a result, there was protection from God. And so I just want to encourage you, because I think some of you have been waiting to start your faith. You've been waiting and you're here because somebody brought you. You're here because you, you think this girl's cute. You know, you're, you're here because you heard that this guy that you like, is, he comes here and you've been waiting to start your faith. And I want to challenge you because some of you have been waiting and you're coming. You're like, I'm just not ready yet. I want to challenge you. You would start right now and you would start strong. You would go all in and say, God, I'm with you. I'm going to tear down. I want to live the life of compromise. I'm going to tear down the evil things of this world, the idol worship of this world. And I'm going to follow the ways of God because when you do, God will protect you. You see, starting strong is about pace. Most people don't know how to pace themselves. I actually love in the Olympics when, when they, they have the longer distance, you know, marathons and these kind of races. And my favorite part about them, and I'm going to illustrate it for you. My favorite part about them is, is they all get up to the starting line and they're ready. And they get up to the starting line and they get down. And there's like, you know, 20 of them, 25 of them. It's long distance. And they're all like, ready, set, Go. That's like my favorite. Because you, you see this like epic stance and they're ready and then they bang. And you're like, what? You could have just started like that and just like, huh? I really love the speed walkers. I know you guys do too. But as you think about it, it makes sense. Because they recognize that if you start too fast... You won't be able to finish strong. And so they get in the stance and then bang. And they're all just cruising. Because it's a long distance race. There's a pace that you must maintain in that kind of race. Otherwise, you will lose. And you've all seen it. You've seen it on YouTube. You've seen it live. Where the last lap. There's one guy way ahead. I mean, 100 yards ahead, half a lap ahead. And before you know it, some guy comes sprinting from behind and at the last second passes him for the win. And that always breaks my heart. So I'm like, you had it. But what has happened? He started with a pace that was unsustainable. Jehoshaphat started strong with a pace that was sustainable and it protected him early on. I want to challenge us, church, because I think some of us, we're early on in this faith journey. Maybe you've, you feel like you're early on. You're just figuring it out. That's okay. I want to challenge you. You would start strong. You would remove the wrong things from your life. You would implement the right things, the word of God, the focus on Christ, being a part of a local church, being regularly in church in the house of God. Because when you start strong, you can sustain that. May we follow through, figure out the pace of the race 
of faithfulness. So first we got to start strong. And starting strong is so important. But listen to me. Staying strong is just as important. So this is number two in the pace of the race of faithfulness. We have to stay strong. So what does that mean, Caleb? You, you said start strong, but what is staying strong? Staying strong is resisting the small compromises. It's not always about the big failures or the big sins. I think in the church we've made it about the big sins. Like, don't do this, don't do this, and you're good. There's just a few of them. If you just don't do these few things, like, you're good, God will love you, you'll be blessed. No, 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 no. I think we've done ourselves a disservice by not focusing on the small compromises. Because the small compromises along the way are what lead to the big failures later on in your life. This is the pace. You see, a wrong pace would say, I just got to remove this big stuff from my life, and then I'm good. But a right pace says, every day I'm going to make right choices. I'm going to resist the small temptations to, to, to give in, to, to sacrifice what is wrong. There's this idea in us that we think if we just avoid the big stuff, we're good. But I found in my life, it's the small compromises along the way daily that little by little can erode at my character, at my heart, at my spirit, at my relationship with God. And before I know it, I'm so far from him, I don't even know what his voice sounds like. And some of you started strong in your faith, but little by little, you've compromised day after day. And it was small stuff. And it wasn't even a big deal in, in your mind. And yet now you're at a point in your faith where you say, I don't even know what a relationship with God looks like. I can't even hear his voice. I don't even feel his conviction anymore in my heart. Why? Because your pace was not right. We have to stay strong. I'm going to go to chapter 18. I'm jumping forward a little bit. Verse number one. Now Jehoshaphat had great riches and honor, and he made a marriage alliance with Ahab. Now some of you have no idea who Ahab is. Some of you were here a few weeks ago, and I actually preached about Ahab. You see, Ahab was an evil king, the king of Israel. So there's Israel in the north, Judah in the south. And Ahab is the king of Israel, while this man, Jehoshaphat, is the king of Judah. And so, no big deal, right? I mean, NBD, he does a marriage alliance with Ahab. Here's the problem. Ahab's wife is Jezebel. Here's the problem. Ahab was an evil king who set out to destroy and kill all the prophets of Israel. At his wife's prodding. Ahab was a king that built places of idol worship. That built idols. He was a king that wanted nothing to do with the things of God. As his wife continued to urge him and push him towards. But, I mean, come on guys. Like, it makes sense because Jehoshaphat just wants peace. NBD. He wants peace. It makes sense. He wants their nations to come together. I'm trying to bring unity. I'm trying to bridge the divide. I'm trying to make peace. No. He was wanting to be friends with the world. And I want to challenge you, and, and this is going to be a little, I have to tread lightly here. Because biblically, we know that Jesus was a friend of sinners. So there's a difference between Showing love and being love and being a bridge to the world and inviting the world into our lives in a way that it influences and changes us. Because some of you are not strong enough in your faith to be influencers and you are always influenced. And so I have to challenge you in your walk with God that you would protect your heart, your mind, your spirit because you know that you are more easily influenced than you are an influencer. Now, as you grow in your faith, as you learn and develop your pace, as the strength of your pace and your faith gets stronger, you can get to the point where Jesus was. But most of you in this room are not Jesus. 
And I recognize early on in my faith journey, in my life, I had to separate myself from certain places, certain friends. I couldn't go to certain environments. Why? Because I would be influenced more than I would influence. But now as I've grown in my faith, I could walk into any environment and I know that I'm going to be an influencer, not influence. But it took years of developing the right pace to where I know how strong I am in my faith. That doesn't mean I'm perfect, but it does mean I know that I will not fall and stumble as long as I keep my eyes on Christ. And so my challenge to us is that we would figure out where we're at in our pace. Because some of you right now need to assess your, your faith journey and the pace that you have because you recognize you're probably not strong enough to be in the environments that you're placing yourself. You see, it's about the stride. Everybody say stride. Some of us are striving Instead of striding. You hear me? There's a difference. Because when you learn your pace, when you learn the strong pace that God has for you, the pace of faithfulness that he's placed on your life, then you stride. There's a stride about it, isn't there? There's a stride about it. There's a stride when you run. We all have our own stride. But what I've seen in this culture, in this day, and I think even in our church, is there's a lot of Christians that instead of just striding, they're striving. They're trying to make things happen. We are reaching for what God wants to give us. Some of us are running and reaching for what God hasn't even called us to yet. You think you need to start three businesses right now and then you wonder why you're feeling defeated and beat down and destroyed and and depressed. And I want to tell you, maybe he has called you to start three businesses, but it might not just be yet. Because he needs to to develop something in you right now. Your character right now. So, so, so many of us are out there and we're saying, God, I tried this. I step out. You gave me this dream and, and you left me and you're mad at God. How could you leave me? And he's saying, no, 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 you left me. I told you to wait. I told you what your pace was. I told you to stay in your stride and you instead begin to strive. You see, we have to be faithful First and foremost, to the word of God. I want to challenge us, church, that we would get hungry for the word of God. We would get passionate about the word of God. We would begin to ingest the word of God daily. That's why I tell you all the time, this is not enough for you. Sunday morning for 30, 40 minutes, a message is not enough for you. You need to be in this on your own time, during your week, Monday through Saturday. Sunday is not enough. And you wonder why you feel empty during the week. It's because you're hungry. And the word of God is the only thing that will satisfy. I'm telling you, this has enabled me to maintain the strength of my pace in my life. And I started younger than a lot of you. In sixth grade, I started reading my Bible every single day. I would read a proverb a day because there's 31 proverbs, 31 days in almost every month. And I started to read it, and it's been a, a practice of my life ever since now. Sixth grade, the age of 12 years old, here I am 17 years later. I'm like, how old am I? And it's still a daily thing that I do where I, invet, I ingest the word of God daily and let me tell you it has enabled me to stay strong to maintain the right pace for my life we have to be faithful to the word of God so Ahab has this idea Ahab says listen I want to marry my daughter to your son and Jehoshaphat says great idea let's bring peace and then in the very next chapter We see Ahab has another idea. He says, hey, I want you to go to battle with me. I'm going to attack this group of people. And Jehoshaphat, being someone who fears the Lord, says to Ahab, he says, well, have the prophets 
confirmed this? Have the prophets of the Lord confirmed this? And here was the thing. Jehoshaphat or Ahab had killed most of all, most all the prophets, but he had his own group of prophets. They weren't real prophets. They were sellouts. They were his cronies. So he goes to them and they're like, yeah, you're good. Go fight that battle. And Jehoshaphat, being wise, says, but isn't there another prophet that isn't in your, crew, in your clique, in your crew? Why don't we go to him? So they go to him, and, and before they go to him, Ahab actually says to Jehoshaphat, here's the thing about him. He never prophesies anything good for me, so I hate him. <laughs> no, you can read this. You can read this in, in chapter 18. He never prophesies any good for me, so I hate him, but okay, Jehoshaphat, if you want to go talk to him, we'll do it. So they go and they talk to this prophet, and the prophet says, no, 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 you shouldn't do it. If you do, you're going to be attacked, and actually, Ahab, you're going to die. Jehoshaphat, you'll almost die, and and you'll lose. And Ahab says, see, I told you. (laughs) He never prophesies anything good for me. He's a liar, so they lock him up, and they go to battle anyways. And Ahab, because he's a coward, disguises himself not as the king because he knows this people will go after the king. But Jehoshaphat, being innocent, somewhat gullible, goes to battle in his kingly robes and all the people go after him. And he barely escapes with his life. But in the battle, Ahab, while hiding is struck by an arrow and dies. You see, to stay strong, we have to stay strong even in the small things. This was a seemingly strong thing. If you're going to be faithful, be faithful in the small things. Feeding faithfulness is almost as much about starving compromise. You see, you have to feed the faithful parts of your life. You have to feed what... what leads you to faithfulness towards God, but you also have to starve what would make you compromise in this world. And I've found that what I feed gets stronger and what I starve gets weaker. And so I have decided I will starve anything that would cause compromise in my life. Why? Because I want to be faithful. And I'm going to feed whatever would, would allow me to be faithful towards God. So some of you have done the opposite, and I want to challenge you. You would feed faithfulness and starve compromise. And you know what those things are in your life. You see, faithfulness is about who we love. It's about loving Jesus and loving people that are far from Jesus. Faithfulness is about who we trust. Do you trust in yourself? Do you trust in your wisdom? Do you trust in your talents, your abilities? Or do you trust in the God that gave it all to you? Do you trust in the things of this world? Or do you trust in the God that created the world? Faithfulness is about who we live for when we're under pressure. And let me tell you, 2020 was a year of pressure. And a lot of us found out that our faith was not as strong as we thought it was. That's what I realized. I actually realized, Caleb, you trust God less than you thought you trusted God. 2020 revealed to me that I still had a lot of ways and areas that I needed to grow in. 2020 showed me that while I have developed a strong pace, I need to develop a stronger pace. Why? Because I want to stay faithful. So listen, staying strong is important. Starting strong is important. Staying strong is important. But finishing strong is of utmost importance. The pace of the race of faithfulness, we must finish strong. Second Chronicles chapter 20. I'm jumping forward in the story. Verse number 17. You will need to fight in this battle. Stand firm. Hold your position. Sorry, you will not need to fight in this battle. Stand firm, hold your position, and see the salvation of the Lord on your behalf. O Judah and Jerusalem, do not be afraid and do not be dismayed. Tomorrow go out against them, and the Lord will be with you. So here's what happened. Ahab dies, but Jehoshaphat is now reaping the consequences of the unholy alliance that he made 
And so the enemy comes out. So for the start of his rule, Judah was protected. But how many know when you compromise, the hand of the Lord lifts. And, and it, it leaves you vulnerable to attack. That's why I tell people all the time, you got to stay undercover. I'm talking about when the storm comes, that you're under the cleft of the rock, as the word of God tells us. You're protected by the strong tower. You run to it. The righteous that run to it, they are saved. When you stay faithful, you're protected. You're undercover. But when you compromise, the cover lifts and you're vulnerable. And so right after Ahab dies, now all the nations gather together and they go up to kill, to conquer, to attack Judah and Jehoshaphat. And he's out there, but the word tells us that because he was faithful to the things of God, the Lord speaks this over him, says, you will not need to fight in this battle. Just hold your position and see the salvation of the Lord on your behalf. Do not be afraid and do not be dismayed. Tomorrow go out against them and the Lord will be with you. How many of you know sometimes you choose your battles, but sometimes your battles choose you? There are some battles you've chosen, but sometimes there's battles that choose you. And you have nothing that you can do. You're surrounded by the enemy and you have to stand. So what do you do when your battle chooses you? You didn't cause it. You didn't choose it. You didn't anticipate it. Jehoshaphat is told in verse number one that when things were just going good in a time of spiritual renewal, that war now shows up at your doorstep. It actually says that the the enemy is sneaking around the back way where they're unprotected and they're only 20 miles out, which means Jehoshaphat doesn't have time to assemble his troops. It means he's completely vulnerable. And and if they come, he's done. I wanted to challenge us that you would not fight a battle that isn't yours. Some of us, it comes down to our pace. I I need somebody, somebody that's, Five, four, five, three, in in that range. Come up here with me real quick. Okay, come up, come up. And I need, is there anybody taller than me? Anybody taller than six, three? Get up here. Raise your hand. We got anybody taller than me? No? Oh, come on. There's some tall people in this church. Okay, we'll just use you. Tell me your name. Jackie. Jackie, all right. So as you can tell, I'm quite a bit taller than Jackie. I'm six, three. You're five, four. four. So I got a foot on her. So I want you to stand sideways right here, Jackie, next to me, facing that way. There we go. No, no, stand right here. There we go. We'll figure it out, Jackie. We got this. All right, I want you to take a normal step for you. Just a normal step. Do it again. And again. Do it again. Do it again. So as you can tell, Our stride is different, isn't it? Turn back around, Jackie. We're going to go the other way. Okay, now we'll we'll walk in tandem. Can we walk like, I don't know, like right, left, right, left. Can we try that? Okay. What's that? Right foot first. Yes. Okay, here we go. We're striding. So as you can see, for her to keep at my pace, she was actually moving her legs faster. Wasn't she? Because my stride is naturally longer than hers so for her to keep pace with me she has to increase the pace of her stride give it up for Jackie Jackie you can go back down here's what I think in order to finish strong we have to recognize we're only called to be us in fact if I got Jackie I said Jackie let's run around the room She's like, no, 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 no. If I ran around the room, you guys know, like, I'd start running. And, and my pace, I know that they're like, what are you doing, Caleb? We're trying to record you. My stride would allow me to run with less energy, right? To less energy, with less energy around the room. And for her to keep pace with me, she'd have to increase 
she'd have to increase. Here's what I think. I think a lot of people are in this faith journey and they want to be faithful, but they're looking at all the people that they're not. They're looking at Caleb. I could just have a faith like Caleb. You're not Caleb. Jackie is not Caleb. She's never going to be 6'3". Sorry, Jackie. I don't know if you've been praying for it, but it ain't happening. That ship has sailed, Jackie. She's never going to have that same stride that I have. And when I look, when I look around uh, the church, what I see is a lot of people fighting battles that aren't theirs. Why? Because they want to have the purpose that someone else has. They're, they're increasing their, their pace to unhealthy to an unhealthy, unsustainable number. Why? Because they want to look like that. And God say, no, I've given you a stride. I've given you a pace. And how many of you know there is grace in your pace? You're not called to have anyone else's pace. If you try, if Jackie tried to run my pace, she would, she, it just wouldn't work. Why? Because she doesn't have the grace for my pace. And you don't have the grace for the pace of the person next to you. Or that friend who maybe you've looked up to. Or that friend who, who you've wanted to be that. Or that person you've compared yourself to on social media. And I want to challenge us that we would finish strong. You see, our understanding of God's faithfulness to us is how we maintain our faithfulness to him. Let me say that again. Our understanding of God's faithfulness to us is how we maintain our faithfulness to him. What does 2 Timothy 2.13 say? If we are faithless, he remains faithful. Listen to me. It is in God's nature to be faithful. 1 Corinthians 1.8 tells us, So you are not lacking in any gift as you wait for the revealing of our Lord Jesus Christ who will sustain you to the end. Guiltless in the day of our Lord Jesus, Jesus Christ. God is faithful. He's faithful in our salvation. He's faithful in our walk. His faithfulness enables our faithfulness. So in order for you to run at the right pace of faithfulness, you have to begin to embrace and understand the, the, the reality of God's faithfulness. That he's faithful to you even when you're not. That he forgives you even when you fail. That he invites you back in, even when you run from him. That when you leave the, the, the group of sheep, he says, I'll leave the group to go after the one. So this last week, I, I went to a restaurant indoors. That was my Holy Spirit dance. Because we teared up. And I went to a restaurant indoors, and I walked in, and this young girl sat me. And she was obviously a high schooler. She sat me, and she was, like, asking me if I needed anything and blah, blah, blah. And, and then she went and got the menus, and she came back, and she stopped, and she looked at me. And I was like, hey. <laughs> she was like, are you Canaan's dad? And I said, why, yes, I am. She said, okay, because I'm in the play at school, and Canaan, so Canaan got like this big part in the play, my nine-year-old, and, and he got this huge part, and so they all know him because he's the only kid in the play. And, and so she's in high, she's a senior, and she's like, oh, my goodness, he is so cute and so sweet she said it just like that and I said thank you so much and uh and I got her name and she was so sweet but it was interesting because for the first time in my life I was Canaan's dad you know I've always he's always been oh you're you're the pastor's kid you're the pastor's son and she knew nothing about me she had seen me pick him up. And so all she knows about me is that I'm Canaan's dad. 
He is so sweet. Let me read the end of this. Second Chronicles chapter 21. I want to read verse 1 through 6. We're going to close here. Jehoshaphat slept with his fathers and was buried with his fathers in the city of David in Jehoram. His son reigned in his place. He had brothers, the sons of Jehoshaphat, Azariah, Jehiel, Zechariah, Azariah, Michael, and Shephathiah. All these were the sons of Jehoshaphat, king of Israel. Watch this. Their father gave them great gifts of silver, gold, and valuable possessions together with fortified cities in Judah. But he gave the kingdom to Jehoram because he was the firstborn. When Jehoram had ascended the throne of his father and was established, he killed all his brothers with the sword and also some of the princes of Israel. Jehoram was 32 years old when he became king. And he reigned eight years in, Jeru in Jerusalem. And he walked in the way of the kings of Israel. Now, they're not the good kings. As the house of Ahab had done. Watch, for the daughter of Ahab was his wife. And he did what was evil in the sight of the Lord. I don't know if you caught that. The small compromise early on in Jehoshaphat's life. I, want, I wanted to unify the nations. I want peace. But he united himself with that which was evil. Ahab's daughter, Jezebel's daughter, became his son, the king's wife. And the influence of that set this nation on a downward trajectory. And I know this may be dramatic for some of you. But I wanted to emphasize the importance of the small compromises we make in our life. Because we do not know the long-term impacts they could have. And that's why I have chosen in my life, every day I wake up, I say, God, I want to be faithful to you. I want to be faithful to my wife. I want to be faithful to my children. I want to be faithful to my church. Help me to not compromise. May I choose faithfulness every single day. And some of you are like, it's not that dramatic. And I'm here to tell you, yes, it is. Because it's about legacy and it's about future. And so my challenge to us today, church, is that we would choose faithfulness. That we would learn the, the pace of the race of faithfulness. Why? Because running the race of faithfulness takes knowing the pace of faithfulness. And some of you know your pace is off. And today, God wanted to get you striding right. No longer striving in your own strength, but striding in how God made you to be. Striding in the truth of who He is. Why? Because I want my whole life, as I get older... I want people to say about my son, oh, you're Cana's dad. He's so sweet. And Jehoshaphat could not say that about his son because of the small compromise he made years before that led the nation of Judah to despair and destruction. So may we be faithful, church. May we learn the pace of the race of faithfulness. Would you bow your heads with me across this place? Lord, I thank you. I thank you for the truth of your word, which changes us and challenges us. God, I thank you for the hope that is found in you and you alone. And Lord, right now I ask that you would help us, teach us, show us what the pace of the race of faithfulness looks like. We love you, Jesus. Listen, you're in this room and you say, Caleb, I do not know Jesus. I've never started this faith journey. I want to start strong and I haven't even started it yet. If you need to give your life to Jesus for the first time or you need to come back to him, rededicate your life, 
I want you to lift your hand right now in this place. Online, I want you to respond. Go. One, two, three. Yes, hands are going up in the room. Yes, all over the room. Come on, church. Give God some praise for these people who are responding. Heads bowed, eyes closed. Second thing. You're in this room. You say, Caleb, my pace of my race of faithfulness is off. And I sense myself giving in to little compromises along the way. And today, I want to ask for God's help. I want to commit myself to the right pace in my race. If that's you, I want you to lift your hand in this room. Yes, hands going up all around the room. Lord, I pray for a release of pace in this place. I pray for a release of the right pace of the race of faithfulness. God, we can't do it in our own strength. We can't do it our own ability. But God, we understand that you are faithful. And as a result, you enable us and will show us and help us to also run this race with the right pace in our faithfulness. So Lord, we pray over these in your name. In your name. Everyone repeat this prayer after me with those that raise their hand either online or in the room. Say this with me. Say, Jesus, forgive me. Change me. Wash me. Make me new. Today, I commit to start strong, to run this race, striding, not striving, having the right pace, and walking in my grace. Lord, I love you, and I praise you, and I thank you, and it's in your name we pray. Amen. Can we stand to our feet, church, and give God some praise in this place? Come on best decision these people could ever make our prayer team is making their way forward i want to invite you if you raise your hand for any of those things they want to pray over you you need healing in this place we believe god still heals i want you to come forward you're walking through a struggle i want you to come up our prayer team is here but let's sing this song one more time as a declaration that we will run at your pace god so we can be faithful in these times come on lift your voices with us church Hey, thanks so much for tuning in to the Project Church Podcast. We pray and hope that this message encouraged you, built you up, and gave you life. We want to ask that you would invest right now in what God is doing here in downtown Sacramento. We've just recently moved in to our all-new building in the waterfront, Old Sacramento District. We want to ask you, if you'd like to give, you can go to projectchurch.com forward slash give to invest. Let's see all that God can do through us.